Welcome to another Psych Matters podcast from the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists. Psych Matters is a series of discussions on training and practice issues facing trainees and fellows of the college and other important topics in mental health. In this episode of Psych Matters, Dr Samantha Loy and her guests discuss music and psychology and social connections, or MAPS. MAPS is an online group program which combines music therapy via therapeutic songwriting and psychology informed by cognitive behaviour therapy for couples affected by younger onset dementia. MAPS aims to improve the mental health of social connections in the spousal carers and in the people with younger onset dementia, with secondary aims to improve coping skills in the spouses and behaviour changes associated with dementia. Hi everybody, my name's Samantha Loy and I'm a psychiatrist and principal research fellow at the Royal Melbourne Hospital of the University of Melbourne. Thanks for listening to our podcast on music and psychology and social connections, the MAPS program, which is an online group program combining music therapy and psychology for people with young onset dementia and their spousal carers. I'm really pleased to be joined by my colleagues and facilitators, Claire Cadwallada, clinical neuropsychology PhD candidate, and Phoebe Stretton-Smith, registered music therapist. I work with many people who are diagnosed with young onset dementia. And young onset dementia is a dementia where the symptom onset occurs at less than 65 years old. And the types of dementia we commonly see include Alzheimer's disease and frontal temporal dementia. However, the psychosocial issues which these people experience are vastly different compared to those who have an older onset dementia. Because younger onset dementia occurs at middle age, these people are often juggling multiple roles such as working, providing for their families and generally very busy. The family, particularly their spouse, are affected as they often transition from being a partner to a carer and this role change can be very difficult to navigate. People often experience social isolation and as a result of the things they can't do anymore or feelings that other people in their lives don't understand what they're going through. And this can be for both the carers and also the people with dementia. Through my work as a psychiatrist at the Royal Melbourne Hospital, working with these younger onset dementia people, I found that I was actually unable to recommend any interventions to them and those which also involved their spouse. In fact, looking at the literature, I couldn't find hardly any evidence-based studies which could address these role transitions the potential grief and loss, but also the positives. And this is how we develop MAPS. MAPS combines psychology, informed by CBT and music therapy, with a focus on therapeutic songwriting for those affected by younger onset dementia. The main goals of the program are to improve mood and coping skills of the couples affected by young onset dementia and to increase feelings of social connectedness. MAPS was developed by myself, Professor Felicity Baker and Dr Libby Flynn from the University of Melbourne music therapy team and also clinical psychologist Associate Professor Christina Bryant. I'd now like to introduce the other members of the MAPS team who are with me today and get them to talk about their experiences. So I've got Claire Cadwallader, she's a clinical neuropsychology PhD candidate, to talk a bit about the program structure and how we think a CBT-based approach can be helpful for people with dementia and their carers. Yeah, thanks, Sam. I'm happy to be here today. So to start maybe with a brief explanation about why we've chosen to use a CBT-based approach for the program, CBT is centred around the way that our thoughts influence our emotions and our behaviour. 
And by learning to recognize the sometimes maladaptive or negative beliefs or thoughts that we have about situations or thoughts and beliefs that we hold about ourselves, we can challenge and reframe these. And this can in turn improve the way that we feel and act. And so this kind of approach can be particularly helpful when someone is experiencing changes or events that are out of their control, like a diagnosis of dementia, whether it's trying to cope with a diagnosis for the person themselves or for someone that they care for. And CBT is also about developing practical strategies for improving mood, so bringing a focus to the things that the person does have control over and can change. So this program we've developed is a six-week group therapy intervention held on Zoom, uh, which is CBT-based. And we've designed this for partner dyads where one person has received a diagnosis of younger onset dementia and is in the mild to moderate stage and where the other person identifies as their caregiver. This is a manualized program, so it can be upscaled easily. And we've recently just finished running our first pilot round of the program, which was very exciting. And we had five dyads, so 10 participants in total for this first round. And the program itself focuses around two major themes. So the first is addressing the challenges and changes associated with having younger onset dementia or being a caregiver for someone with younger onset dementia. And the second is finding ways to be positive with a focus on the things that participants value. So over the six weeks, we planned to run a weekly 90-minute Zoom session. There was a private Facebook group where participants could connect outside of the sessions as well um, and where we could post additional resources. And so the first and the last session of the program were held with everyone together as a big group. The other sessions were run in two separate groups, so one for the person with dementia and one for the caregivers. And these sessions were aided by a printed workbook, which each participant received. It had all of the session content, all of the activities included, and they were designed to be a resource for the group members where they could take notes and look back on later. The first half of the sessions involved the CBT-based content in the form of group discussions, so facilitated by myself. And across the program, we covered a broad range of topics. So those included role and identity changes associated with having younger onset dementia or being a caregiver for younger onset dementia, communication within the dyad um, and with other people about dementia and the changes that they were going through, compensatory strategies to support cognitive functioning, strategies for boosting mood like scheduling, enjoyable activities, seeking support from others, and also learning how to identify and reframe negative thinking. After a short break um, in the session, the second half of the sessions were with Phoebe, who's a music therapist, and I'll let her talk more about what this part of the program involved shortly. But just briefly, we finished each session with a different relaxation activity each week to help participants wind down after the session. And finally, there were also some brief homework activities, which were optional that we would give to participants, which would include things like listening to a relaxation music playlist, scheduling an enjoyable activity into their week, um, or having a conversation with their partner about something that was covered in the session. So that was sort of the basic structure of the program. So that's really quite um, CBT informed, isn't it, Claire? Yes, so all of the content that we covered in those sessions, um, it was all informed by CBT. And so, yes, we took that kind of approach throughout the program. And that's definitely been some of the evidence um, in the literature looking at people with dementia and their carers thought to be effective. 
But what was one of the other novel aspects of our program was to introduce music therapy. And I'll let Phoebe Stretton-Smith, who's a registered music therapy, to talk about what is music therapy and also about the therapeutic songwriting aspects of this MAPS program. Thanks, Phoebe. Thanks, Sam and Claire. Um, And it's great to be working with you both on this MAPS program as well. I guess I'll talk a little bit about music therapy and therapeutic songwriting first before um, going into the MAPS program itself. So music therapy is an allied health profession where music is used within a therapeutic relationship to support people's health, functioning, well-being and quality of life. Music therapy can include a lot of different musical experiences from listening to music, talking or learning about helpful and unhelpful uses of music in everyday life to more active engagement through singing, playing instruments, improvising or writing songs. So in MAPS we incorporated some psychoeducation in the workbook, information and exercises around music and memory, music and relaxation, um, using music to connect and reminisce or to boost mood. And we also did some facilitated music-based relaxation exercises in the sessions. But the main focus of the music therapy component of the MAPS program was on therapeutic songwriting. So therapeutic songwriting is a process that encourages participants to explore their thoughts, feelings, experiences and attitudes and guides them to translate ideas into lyrics and the creation of a song. And I first became involved in research on therapeutic songwriting and dementia back in 2016 when I was completing my minor thesis as part of my um, Master of Music Therapy. And I did this with Professor Felicity Baker on a research project with people living with dementia. And since then, I've been involved as both a researcher and music therapist on many projects led by Felicity and also another colleague, Dr. Imogen Clark, exploring group therapeutic songwriting with people living with older onset dementia and their family caregivers. So this research has emphasised the potential value of songwriting in supporting the health and well-being and coping in the carer role in creative ways that differ from more traditional interventions and strategies. And for people living with dementia, songwriting has really been emphasised as a new and rewarding experience that can enhance connection and lead to a sense of accomplishment and pride. And we'll talk a little bit later about that sense of achievement that we saw in in this group as well. But I guess on that, often group members have never written a song before. So the act of actually completing a song can lead to that sense of achievement in itself. And if you're recording the song, there's that tangible product that they can also listen to and go back to. For people living with dementia, there's often a shift following diagnosis from their strengths and capacity to deficits and weaknesses. So that process of writing lyrics, structuring the song, refining the words to fit within musical framing or phrasing or choosing to rhyme, all of those creative challenges involved in songwriting can be really engaging and rewarding. So I guess I'll talk a little bit about the songwriting process in MAPS. There are lots of different ways of creating songs, but I've predominantly used original songwriting and song parody in my work with people living with dementia and their families. So original songwriting involves creating both the lyrics and the music, whereas song parody is uh, rewriting the lyrics to an existing tune. So in MAPS, the caregiver group chose to write 
original lyrics and suggest ideas for original music and the people living with younger onset dementia chose to rewrite um, the lyrics to a song. And the songwriting process includes brainstorming, writing and refining lyrics and then and then the creation of the music. And as Claire talked about earlier, the, the songwriting was in the second half of the sessions. So it was informed by the CBT-based psychology content and the, the discussion points from the first half of the session. So in our songwriting process, instead of brainstorming ideas for the song separately, the group discussion in the first half of sessions formed the basis of the brainstorming ideas, which were then used to write the song lyrics. And the CBT approach in the MAPS program also informed how we approached songwriting um, in a sense that we had those predetermined themes for the sessions and more broadly for the songs, giving space to acknowledge those challenges and changes associated with younger onset dementia while also focusing on coping and well-being. So in the first round of MAPS, like I said, the caregivers wrote an original song composing the lyrics and brainstorming and suggesting ideas for original music. And the people living with younger onset dementia decided to write a song to the tune of Where Have All the Flowers Gone by Pete Seeger, which was actually suggested spontaneously by a group member in one of the sessions. And we're going to listen to some of the songs today, but I thought I'd just talk a little bit about the lyrics before we hear them. The song written by the people living with younger onset dementia is called Doing the Best We Can. And that lyric, that line is the main refrain of the song. That's what they chose to be the main message coming through the song lyrics. Group members acknowledged changes in thinking and memory, experiences of anxiety and challenges associated with younger onset dementia in verses one and two. And they also used these verses to acknowledge the social impact of the diagnosis, including stigma associated with the diagnosis, which resulted in the loss of some relationships. But then in verses three and four, the group really wanted to focus on coping and well-being and more positive aspects of their experiences. So in these verses, the group acknowledged that they were in a process of finding ways to cope through accepting the diagnosis, appreciating little wins, staying active and engaging in things that bring them joy and support coping and well-being. For that group, they were things like making art, listening to music and being outdoors and being with family and friends. So in this sense, the song gave space to acknowledge those challenges and changes without filtering out the positives. Um, and the songs also reflect and reinforce group members' resources, ways of coping and what they value in life. Um, for caregivers, they also used verses to acknowledge how life had changed, um, difficult periods of feeling down following the diagnosis and questions that they still had about the future and their ability to cope. But in the final verse, they really wanted to focus on the positives as well. And this centered around their relationship with their partner, being true to themselves, keeping doing the things they love and seeing the good in the world. And they were all things that came out of discussions in the first half of the sessions around self-care, coping and, and cognitive reframing. Can I just, um, I just want to emphasize um, before we introduce the first song that these were all things that the people in the group brought 
to the song. Mm. So these were the themes which they brought up based on what we had talked about. So I really want to emphasise that this is their song. Yes. Um, I'll let Phoebe just continue. Yes. Well, I think here we can maybe hear the song called Doing the Best We Can, written by the people living with younger onset dementia. This version of the song was recorded by myself with input from the group as well. So even though the group didn't create the music for this song, they had a lot of input around how they wanted it to sound, whether it was the choice of instruments, you know, the energy in the song. After playing it back, they suggested adding a little bit of percussion, so we did that. And, um, yeah, so there was a lot, of, a lot of input into the song here, and one of the group members actually sent through some MIDI tracks for me to um, include in the recording as well. Forgetfulness, frustration Clouding in over me Confusion and anxiety Not knowing what to do Finding life more challenging Can't do all that I could Doing the best we can Doing the best we can People don't know what to say Some help others move away We can't give them a map to read We don't know the answers But we're spending more time with family and friends Enjoying the simple things Doing the best we can Doing the best we can to get through this unknown pathway Accepting life has changed Tomorrow's a new day Little wins have great results With a laugh or with a cry Doing the best we can Doing the best Living one day at a time That's the best way to get through Staying active and engaged New things to learn and do Creating art, exploring outdoors Enjoying music at peace again Doing the best we can Doing the best Okay, so 
I think when I heard this song for the first time, I felt quite emotional. And I think that was probably similar to what Claire and Phoebe felt, and also the participants too. And I think it's very powerful. Um, and we can, we'll talk a little bit about the effect of the therapeutic songwriting. But there were some other ways that we wished to evaluate the program. So we did the very boring researcher thing um, and did some pre and post questionnaires. And that was to look at our initial aims of looking at improving mood and coping and social connections. Um, but I guess for the first round and our first go at it, we wanted to really just look at the acceptability and feasibility of the program design. So that was our main goal. And as well as the focus groups, we wanted to do the quantitative interviews and semi-structured interviews. So as Claire mentioned, the pilot program ended up being six sessions and followed by a focus group just to get some feedback. Session one and six were an intro and wrap-up session respectively with the spouses and the people with young onset dementia together. And then sessions two and five were separate group sessions for the spouses and people with dementia. And I, and I think it's actually quite important that we had this separate space. Don't you think, Claire? Yeah, Sam, I think um, it was really important to have separate sessions for the person living with dementia and their partner um, so that they had a separate space to talk about the challenges that they were facing. Even though most of the dyads in the group were very open with each other, some of the group members commented that having the separate space to talk about what they were going through was really important and made them feel like they could speak openly without worrying about hurting their partner's feelings. It also allowed us to, you know, focus the discussions very much on the two different perspectives um, to the challenges that, that the individuals were facing. And it allowed the group to gain support from the other group members who knew exactly what they were going through. So I think that was really important. At the same time, we wanted to make sure that the individuals in the program felt like the program was a shared experience between the partners. And so we did have these joint sessions at the start and the end of the program where we all came together. And the brief homework activities that we set each week were usually something that the couple would do together outside of the sessions as well. So that might have been listening to a relaxation playlist together um, it might have involved talking about some aspect of the sessions and and just having a conversation about that we also tried to make it so that the content that we were talking about in the programs each week when we had those separate sessions was similar or complementary so we hoped that that would foster discussions outside of the sessions as well and we did hear about some really great productive discussions that group participants had um, the following week about the content that we've discussed as well. So that was a really helpful aspect that made it seem like a shared experience. Yeah. And I think it's important to trial these programs out because obviously when you start or design a program, you have ideas of what it might look like. But it's not really until you actually do it that you work out, I guess, how it might really work in real life. And so, you know, I just wanted to ask Claire and Phoebe as the facilitators, were there any challenges or surprises that came up during the program? And, and we can have a bit of a discussion about that. Yeah, thanks, Sam. I think um, one of the main challenges that we had during the program, and I'm sure Phoebe will agree, was probably the time constraints of the sessions 
We'd originally planned for a 90-minute session, so 45 minutes for the psychology content at the beginning of the program with me and then 45 minutes for the therapeutic songwriting with Phoebe um, at the end. And we'd enthusiastically packed a lot of topics for discussion into the session manuals. Um, But when we started the program, we found that participants had a lot to share about their thoughts and experiences. And really, this was the most important thing. Uh, We didn't want the program to feel like a lecture series, and we wanted to leave lots of time for open group discussions and sharing. Um, So what we actually ended up doing was modifying the session plans quite a lot and cutting down the session content as we went. Um, And after checking in with the participants about how they felt about this, we also actually allowed the sessions to run up to two hours long. And of course, you know, the concern with this is that two hours is quite a long time to sit and concentrate particularly for someone living with dementia who might be more easily fatigued or might have difficulty maintaining their attention for that long. So these are things that we did consider. But actually, participants fed back that they found the session duration was generally fine. I think all but all but one or two participants found it um, completely fine and that time actually flew by because we were having these conversations that were so relevant to them and we had yeah, created a really nice open space for sharing. So it will be something that we consider going forward, I think, in terms of trying to maybe shorten sessions a little bit, but this actually worked okay for the first round of the program. I think the other really challenging aspect of the program was that the session content at times was quite emotional and confronting for participants, especially some of the content surrounding things like role and identity changes. Um, And we also had a few couples who had very recently received the diagnosis of dementia as well. So they were still very much coming to terms with what this meant for their lives. And that shock and grief of the diagnosis was very fresh for them. But although the discussions we had were confronting and emotional, we were able to create a space where the participants felt comfortable expressing those things And they were then able to get support from people who understood exactly what they were going through. And they actually frequently commented that it was so helpful to feel that they weren't alone in the struggles that they were facing. And the other really nice thing was that the the participants who were further along from the diagnosis were able to actually share their wisdom and give advice as well. And those couples also commented that it was really helpful for them to reflect back and to see how far they had come Um, in adapting to the challenges that they were facing. So although this was a really challenging aspect to the program, I think it was among one of the most helpful aspects of the program for the participants. And I think um, one of the other novel aspects of our program was that many programs all focus on positivities and positive aspects. And I guess what we also wanted to bring to the program and let the participants share is that they are negatives and allow that space for them to sit with that. And I think that was also very important for the participants that, yes, there are negatives, but actually we can sit with that and we can work on moving forward. A lot of programs, I guess, um, can focus on just being positive. And I guess we wanted to have that other important element to that. Yeah, definitely, Sam. Not shying away from those negatives, I think, was really important. Mm. And I think certainly we had to, um, one of the psychologists, Christina Bryant, was involved with Claire and Phoebe to give them that space because Claire and Phoebe were hearing all this content. 
so to allow them the opportunity to reflect on what they were hearing. So I think that was important, having that sort of supervision as well for the facilitators. I hope that you're enjoying this podcast. If you have a topic suggestion or would like to participate in a future episode of Psych Matters, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by email at psychmatters.feedback at ranzcp.org. Can I have it sort of ask you, Phoebe, what you felt were some of the challenges from your perspective? Yeah, I, I was just going to add to that process of kind of adapting and negotiating what we were going to focus on in sessions and how we were going to fit everything in in the time we had. The, the supervision was really important to, to work through that. I guess what Claire and I came to and realised through allowing this space for more group discussion was that group dialogue actually enabled participants to learn from each other and to provide support to each other and I think actually contributed to the building of those relationships and connections that group members reported at the end of the program as well. But yes, time was probably the most challenging aspect and for the the music therapy side of things as well, we had originally also very optimistically aimed to write two songs with each group so separating those into one focused on the challenges and, and changes and one focused on coping and well-being. So we ended up spending the time we had going deeper um, just on a single song with each group, which incorporated both of those themes. I guess I had to, t- had to be a little bit more directive at times due to the time constraints, but also I guess the very different experiences that group members brought to the therapeutic songwriting process. So like Claire mentioned, there were some people that um, had received a diagnosis very recently within the last few months and others who had been living with or caring for their partner with younger onset dementia for a number of years. So I guess in the songwriting process, my role was to try to support the group to to all contribute and be heard through their song um, and to find commonalities within the group, but also ways to acknowledge the very different experiences that they each brought within the song and to guide the songwriting process to make sure it progressed within the four sessions that we had for songwriting and was completed within the time that we had. Another challenge from the tech side of things, I guess, um, was the recording of the songs. So usually if we were meeting in person, we'd all be together in a room and I would set up the microphone and equipment and We'd, we'd practice together and when people felt comfortable, then we'd record the song all singing together at the same time. And it can be a really exciting part of the process, um, again, as it's something that people have often never done before. But with the sessions online, we, we did try to sing through the songs together over Zoom, but in terms of recording it, it was just too difficult because of the latency and not being able to hear each person or everybody together when we're singing at the same time. When it came to the recording, couples shared that they either felt a little bit uncomfortable with the idea of recording themselves singing by themselves. Even if I was there on the other side of Zoom, we wouldn't be able to sing together at the same time. Or some people also encountered difficulties with the technology. So that was one of the major challenges. Mm. And I think certainly we actually developed, started developing maps last year just before um, when things we thought had settled down. So we had planned it to be face-to-face, um, but obviously, you know, COVID struck again and we realised that um, an online format was better. And I think 
because we know young onset dementia is more ge geographically spread out and obviously it's less it's rare rarer than older onset dementia it actually worked to do an online form format we had a couple from queensland mm. zoom in so obviously we wouldn't have been able to have that couple involved yeah you know and a couple of rural people as well so i think the format ended up being okay yeah <laughs> so, yeah. yeah covid yeah <laughs> Yeah, it, it's bizarre. I still haven't actually met you both, Sam and Claire, in person. <laughs> yeah, overall, I think holding the sessions online actually made the program much more accessible. As you mentioned, we had couples in the group who were living in regional and rural areas across three different states. Many also had to travel for different reasons during the seven weeks, but were still able to join the sessions while they were away. So some group members even commented in the focus group that they felt more comfortable sharing things via Zoom than they potentially would have in person. So yeah, it was overwhelmingly positive feedback about the Zoom and online platform. Yeah, so that was a nice surprise because I think doing things via Zoom is probably the way to go these days. So as well as the Zoom platform being really positive, were there other things which were also quite positive from the focus group, Claire and Phoebe? Yeah, Sam, so we got lots of um, positive feedback from the focus group, which was really nice um, at the end, as well as some really great constructive feedback um, for us to work on when we modify the project going forward for, for other rounds that we might run. I guess one of the main things that participants spoke about was how helpful it was to connect with other people that were in a similar situation to them and that this really helped them to feel like they weren't alone in their situation. So Sam mentioned earlier, you know, one of the things that often affects couples is this feeling of maybe social isolation as a result of the diagnosis, as a result of things that they may not be able to do anymore or feelings that other people don't understand what they're going through. So the group was really able to give people a space to feel like they were understood and to share with people um, who were in a similar situation. Um, and they spoke about the sense of openness and care and support in the group, uh, which really made it easy to share those challenges and express the difficult emotions that they were feeling. And by the end of the program, they referred to the group as a family or a community um, so it was really encouraging that we were able to foster this kind of wonderful group dynamic um, within the program. Many participants also spoke about these initial feelings of kind of despair and shock and denial. For some of the participants with dementia, they also talked about embarrassment at the diagnosis, um, especially with other people in their lives. So they actually commented that the group changed their feelings about the diagnosis in a positive way and made it easier to talk about dementia without getting too emotional, both with their partner, but also with other people um, in their family or friends or in the community. And one really nice quote from a participant was that it helped us learn to deal with it and not let it suffocate us. So that was really encouraging too. Yeah, I think... The music side of things, some participants spoke about reconnecting with music outside of sessions. So it wasn't just engaging in the songwriting within sessions, but actually reconnecting and re-engaging with music in their own time. So for some people that was finding joy and, and connection in being able to recall lyrics and then also recall memories associated with songs. Others engaged in mindful activities such as music listening and drawing 
or music-based relaxation exercises that they wouldn't have otherwise. And, and many also focused on the role of their songs, wanting to share these with others, their families and friends, but also publicly as they thought that they held a lot of truth and value. And yeah, we're, we're amazed that they could put something like that together. I'd also like to add that a few participants said that it really reinforced their love, re-energised their love for music. So a couple of participants said that they were going to get a keyboard because they had played piano in the past and they wanted to get that again. Another couple actually said instead of having music on the background, they actually really listened to the lyrics of songs now and that was really interesting and enjoyable for them to be able to share that together. So yeah. I really love that, that um, they were able to reconnect. Yeah, and again I think kind of highlighting the capacity of the people living with dementia, especially one couple spoke about, you know, despite... Um, significant challenges with short-term memory. The person had, you know, realised that they can remember all of the songs, the, all of the words to the songs that they were listening to, you know, in the 70s. And so on a long drive they, they were listening to music and singing along to all of the songs and that came as like quite a big surprise to both both the person living with dementia and, and their partner. So, yeah, kind of promoting that positive re-engagement with music and creativity. I guess with the acceptability of the program, like we said, the online format was really great. It made it easier for participants to open up to sharing things from the comfort of their own homes and not having to work out all of the practicalities of travelling to and from um, a location to attend sessions. All but one couple agreed that the number and, and duration of the sessions was acceptable. And yeah, we got a lot of great feedback about the workbook as being a really positive resource that they could then take away and, and planned to look back on and read over again. And just, just to add also, we really wanted to make sure that the workbooks were appropriate. So it was important for us to have people who were carers, um, who had actually looked after or were looking after people with young onset dementia to actually go through our program and be part of the process in the content. So prior to beginning the program, we had two people, two carers actually involved in going through the content and having looked through the workbooks to give us feedback. So that was a really, I think, really important part of, you know, co-design in creating such a program. Yeah, definitely, Sam. I think that was a really important part of the process and a lot of that feedback that we got early on from those carers with lived experience actually really changed the way we wrote some of the workbook. So um, it was incredibly helpful to have that feedback. Yeah, I guess some of the, the other things that came up during the focus group were things that we could um, consider when we're modifying the program for later on. So some of the more constructive feedback we got was that some of the people didn't connect so much with the relaxation activities that we closed the sessions with. So we have considered maybe um, cutting down on the number of different relaxation activities and just focusing on a couple of ones that actually worked really well and just spending actually a bit more time practicing those relaxation strategies rather than doing a different one every week. One care partner found that the music aspects of the program were a little bit less helpful than just speaking to others about his experience of caregiving. 
And so again, you know, this comes down to the personal preference thing about what is going to be most helpful for that person at the time. So just making sure participants are uh, really aware of what the group involves uh, before getting going and, and so that they can judge whether that's right for them. Yeah. And just, I guess, resourced with information and links and contacts for other relevant support groups or, or programs that might suit them as well. Definitely. Yeah. So maybe more classic support groups um, would work better for some people. But, you know, over, overwhelmingly, we had very positive feedback about how people found combining that music therapy aspect into the more classic kind of psychology approach. We hoped that this would be a less confronting way um, to tackle some of those things in the beginning. So it was a fun way of sort of engaging with the material that we were discussing. And like Phoebe mentioned, you know, there were some technical difficulties. People found the recording process for um, recording themselves singing was quite difficult. Um, Some people were a bit less comfortable with recording themselves singing. And, you know, maybe this is more confronting in an online format compared to if the group were all together and able to sing at the same time. And just the other thing was that the we haven't spoken much about the Facebook group, but there was this Facebook group that we had outside of the sessions that we intended for participants to be able to connect outside of those sessions. We also posted resources and things to that Facebook page. And this wasn't picked up as well in our group. So most of the participants didn't really use the Facebook group. So some things for us to to consider going forward, I think. Yeah. And I think one of the really nice things about having feedback is you can refine the program. Um, And that's what we'll be doing. We'll obviously reassess what the content is you know our four sessions probably really isn't long enough to record or create songs so we might actually um, make it eight sessions so six sessions of proper content and then obviously an intro and wrap up and then obviously have focus a focus group Um, but I think this is something which we'll be working on and definitely we will be keen to recruit any people with young onset dementia and their care partners when we start the program up again. So, you know, if there's anyone interested, please, we've, we've included a MAPS email for recruitment and we do have flyers and information, but, so feel free to send us your interest and particularly any people you think might be wanting to participate, we'll take the rest. We'll, we'll talk to them and, and organise all those other bits and pieces of consent forms, etc. But it's been a really nice experience. Um, as a psychiatrist who's not very creative at all, it's been really nice working with music therapy with with the team there. I'm not sure what Claire thinks, but certainly Phoebe and Libby and Felicity have been really fantastic in their input and knowledge, but also the practical aspects. So for example, things like creating a really nice flyer and a poster. So my versions are really boring and very scientific, whereas they were able to really put a really nice, more creative aspect to it. So I've really enjoyed that. And it's been really nice working with people who I haven't yet met in person, but I feel like I know over the past year. And I don't know whether I'm feeling, hoping that Phoebe feels the same in her team as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's been, it's always wonderful to collaborate with different disciplines. And I think that it was such a long process of us working with the material and refining the material and creating the workbook. And then again, over the course of the, the seven weeks, refining it and reflecting 
continuously as we were going along. So I'm really looking forward to seeing, engaging a little bit more with the data from this first group and seeing how that can inform the program going forward. Yeah, definitely. I really just want to echo again what Sam said. It was so wonderful to work with Phoebe and to I hadn't had much exposure to music therapy before, but it was a really amazing thing to kind of watch Phoebe shepherd these individuals into creating these amazing songs by the end. And I think the participants themselves were also kind of amazed at what they were able to achieve. So that was a very cool process to be able to watch. And I think there'll be things that I take away from from watching Phoebe do her amazing work in my own clinical work as well. So that was, yeah, really amazing. I was just going to say, Sam, I, one thing that we haven't really touched on is that, you know, in the final wrap-up session that we had with participants, you know, because we had developed these songs in these separate sessions that the participants were having, it was the first time that the caregivers had heard the song that the people with dementia had created and and vice versa. And so being able to share those songs with each other in that final wrap-up session was really amazing and quite emotional as well. We had couples shedding happy kind of emotional tears and yeah, I don't know whether you want to talk anything more about that, Phoebe. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, giving so much space to that was really important to close the six weeks. We didn't really you know, try to fit anything other than sharing the songs and, and then allowing also time and space for the couples to reflect on the program. Yeah, it, it was pretty wonderful. And again, I think those, you know, having that tangible product and, you know, the music accompanying their words and their story uh, and experiences that are expressed through the song, I guess the music can just kind of uh, lift that up in different ways and carry different emotions attached to different parts of the story. So it's a very different experience to just reading the lyrics written on a page to then hearing it all come together with the music. It was a very powerful part of the program, having the creation of a song. And the feedback was that, as Phoebe said, it's not just like reading a poem or a letter or a paragraph. Having something which is creative and, and tangible is really important. The other thing I want to add before we close is that the overwhelming feedback from all the participants were that the facilitators, so really um, it did come a lot down to Claire and Phoebe. So obviously we had the workbook, we planned all our content beforehand, but they really were very positive and complimentary of the way that Claire and Phoebe facilitated and handled the group. It was the first time for Claire and Phoebe as well, but as they mentioned, it was quite emotionally charged at time. People were quite teary. There was some, I guess, interesting things which were shared. And for them to be able to manage that, handle the time, try and run to time, try and manage the content in a very spontaneous manner, I think is really, I really want to thank them very much for their time. And I'm glad they enjoyed it too. Thank you, Claire and Phoebe, for your time with the program. So please think about sending people our way with people with young onset dementia and their carers. Um, and we would just like to close with the song which was written by the caregivers. So this is a song they created and with their own lyrics as well, and it's called Our Time Now. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Life is very different now, shook up and changed completely. 
difficult stage of feeling down, learning to lead, watching and checking, thinking, planning, looking for missing things, wondering how long is the piece of string. We're traveling on a long and winding road at different points and learning as we go. There's no book, there's no guide. Life is real and life is hard, but for better or for worse, we're making the most of our time now. What does the future hold? What lies ahead? How am I going to cope? Always in the back of my head. What are we going to lose? Don't want to give that away. Cause if we lose those freedoms, won't be who we are today. We're traveling on a long and winding road at different points and learning as we go. There's no book, there's no guide. Life is real and life is hard. But for better or for worse, we're making the most of our time now. Have good days and bad days, but we can live, laugh together. Still the same old people, sharing joy forever. Remembering always to be true to ourselves. Keep doing the things we love. See the good in the We're traveling on a long and winding road At different points and learning as we go There's no book, there's no guide Life is real and life is hard But for better or for worse We're making the most of our time now Traveling on a long and winding road At different points and learning as we go There's no book, there's no guide Life is real and life is hard But for better or for worse We're making the most of our time now better or for worse we're making the most of our time now
we hope you enjoyed this episode of Psych Matters. Feel free to share it with others and keep an eye out for future episodes. Psych Matters is produced by the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists.